table as you leave today. Now turn with me please to our studies in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew's Gospel chapter 7. <clears throat> we come today to verse 13 and to verse 14. Matthew 7 verse 13 and 14. These are the words of the Lord Jesus. <clears throat> he said, Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life. And few there be that find it. We've come now to the conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount. This opening section this of uh, Matthew seven thirteen to 27. The Saviour now is applying all of these kingdom truths that he has been teaching. And a sermon without application, of course, is not a sermon. And so this is the application. There's been application right throughout. But now it's as if the Lord's gathering together all of the truths. And he's applying them one by one to the lives of his hearers. And this is so relevant on a sermon on this chapter, chapter 7, that majors upon the subject of judgment. And throughout the sermon, he's been emphasizing the differences between those that are in the kingdom of grace and those that are still in the kingdom of sin and Satan. And those differences were set out right at the very start in the Beatitudes in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5. And what a contrast. Remember, he was contrasting the religious life of the Pharisees uh, with those who were in his kingdom. <clears throat> and though the members of his, his kingdom of grace were different, they still had to stay in the world. That's what many Christians forget. It wasn't God's plan to save us and then, as it were, to rapture us straight to heaven. God saved us and he's keeping us here in this world. We are the light in the darkness. We're the salt amongst all the corruption. We're left to bear witness and testimony for the Saviour in the world. So in chapter 7, in view of the final judgment, these final exhortations express the desires of the Lord Jesus Christ that those who would hear his word would respond. And he's looking for a response. He's looking for a response that is not passive or indifference. He's looking for a response that is positive. And we always look for a response to the preaching of the word of God. And this is the response that the Lord Jesus is talking about here in Matthew 7 verse 13 and 14. And this is the exhortation. He exhorts his listeners to enter in. Enter in by the straight and the narrow gate. And there follows uh, in the verses that follow, we'll look at them in the weeks that lie ahead, a, a, a series of opposite, opposites that, that illustrate the different responses that men and women give to the claims of the kingdom of grace upon their lives. We have the narrow gate as opposed to the wide gate. We have one leading to destruction. We have the other one leading to eternal life. We have a pathway with many on it. We have a pathway with few on it. With false prophets. With true uh, shepherds. With bad trees. With good trees. With fruit that's evil. With fruit that God uh, glorifying. That's the response. 
to the claims of the kingdom of grace upon hearts and upon lives. You know, such illustrative preaching would have resonated with the hearts and lives of those who heard the Master speak. And Christ was calling them to decision through such illustrative means. He wanted them to start walking the narrow way that leads to heaven. And he wanted them to start it right away. Not waiting for another time. Not waiting for another opportunity. He wanted them to enter in and to be saved. So in summary, after all that Jesus has said throughout the Sermon on the Mount, it all comes down just to something very, very simple. There's two ways. There's the way of holiness that leads to heaven. And there's the way of sin that leads to hell. And we've come many thousands of years later and it's still just as simple, men and women. After all that great sermon, Matthew 5 to Matthew 7, here's it really in conclusion. There's just two ways. You're either on the way that leads to heaven today or you're still on the pathway that leads to hell. Now, of course, such a simple division, it's stoutly objected to by the liberals that are within our day and generation because in the broad church today, we, we teach a form of universalism. That everybody's going to be saved at the end of the day, so don't worry about it. We'll all get there one way or the other. But that's not what Jesus said. You're either with him or against him. You're either heavenward bound or hellward bound. And in grace today comes and he pleads with your soul. The Lord Jesus, he's pleading with your soul today. And this is something to be earnest about. This is something to be serious about. This is something to give all of your heart and life and consideration of. To make the right choices. And the right decisions. So as we look at these set of contrasts. And as we would look at the application that Jesus gives to us through those contrasts. To make a full heart decision. For God and for God's eternity. The first Contrast is the straight gate compared with the wide gate. Now the word straight in RAV it just simply means narrow. These two particular ways would have been very familiar to Christ's listeners because around the ancient cities there were gates to enter into the city. There was the, the, the public way, the, the wide gate. And that was where all of the commerce centred in. That's where all the business was done. That's where all the, the legal matters were sorted out. The gates of the city were places of commerce and places of interaction and places where a great a deal of business was done. But then around the city walls would have been the narrow gates. They would have been private entrances leading on private pathways into the city and, and into particular homes. So the narrowness of the way suggests to us immediately at the start that access is limited. This is not open just for everyone. This is open for those who know the way into the city through this narrow, this straight gate. And certain restrictions were placed upon those who entered in. Jesus spoke of the straight gate and I believe when he was speaking of this gate, he was referring to himself as a picture of Christ. In similar language, he said in John 10, 7, I am the door. So if Jesus is the gate, he's equally the door. 
And it is through Christ that we have access into the fold and into the family of God. The, the door into the sheepfold is through Christ. And the door into the city of refuge is through Christ. It is through none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. In John 14, 6, those well-known familiar words come to us. Jesus said, No man cometh unto the Father but by me. That cuts across all the universalism. That cuts across every ism of the day. It doesn't matter what you're involved in. Jesus said, If you don't come by me, you'll not get in. And if you don't come God's way, you can't come any other way. It's not as if the Lord Jesus is presenting an alternative and saying, well, that's the straight gate, but if you don't like that, that gate, there's all these other gates around the city wall, you can try them. He's saying to those that were listening to him, there's only one way to enter in. And it's by me. I am that gate. All the blessings of salvation, they're through Christ and through Christ alone. John Gill, uh, he called this gate straight. He said, because faith in Christ and profession of it and a life and conversation agreeable to it are attended with many afflictions, temptations, reproaches and persecutions. It's not an easy gate. There's but one way to God. That's for the, the proud soul to be humbled before Almighty God. That Proud individual has to be broken. We, we sang this morning from Psalm 51 about the heart being broken. And the sinful heart has to be broken before God, before God will accept it. The proud man has to become the humble man. In coming to Christ you have to leave certain things behind. Because you can't enter in with those certain things. The way the, the gate is restricted it's restricted. You can't enter in with self. You have to leave self outside. There are many people who love self more than they love Jesus. And they say they're on their way to heaven. They couldn't really sing when sincerity, I love Jesus, hallelujah. They would have to say, I love myself, hallelujah. But self will never get you to heaven. The love of self has to be left outside. The love of sinful associates has to be left outside. You cannot go to heaven and keep your sinful associates. It's an impossibility. You're striving. You're striving to enter in because there's no other way of salvation. I, I rejoice today that though that gate is narrow and it's restricted, it's still open. God hasn't closed it. The way is narrow and it is restricted, but it's still open. It's not a wonderful message to preach today. God hasn't shut that gate of mercy yet. And he hasn't shut it to any who are gathered in or listening in either. It's not shut, it's still open. And what does Jesus say? He said in Luke 13, 24, strive to enter in at the straight gate. You know what that word for strive comes from? It comes from the wrestling matches in the ancient Olympic Games. It's a combat activity. You're striving. And spiritually it means making full use of every means that God has given to you to enter in. Make full use of it. 
Make full use of the word of God. Make full use of the preaching of the word of God. Read it. Attend on to its public proclamation. Listen it. Obey it. Enter in. You enter in as the word enters in. Don't give up. Maybe you've been striving, but you haven't entered in yet, but don't give up. The Puritans never believed in an easy and quick way of salvation. They spoke of a, of a deep work of the Spirit of God in hearts and lives uh, the, the, in order to bring the sinner to the light of the gospel. We know that salvation is instantaneous. It happens in a moment of time. No one is arguing or debating that point. But there is a preparatory work in hearts and lives that brings sinner to that place of yielding, brings sinners to that place of opening their heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. The Puritan John Bunyan, he pictured all of this in his famous allegory, Pilgrim's Progress. I would encourage you to read Pilgrim's Progress. If you haven't read Pilgrim's Progress, read it. Just don't say you'll do it, but read it. If you want a copy of it, I can give you copies of it. But read it, read it, read it. We read about a, a character called Christian and he leaves the city of destruction and he starts out to the city of salvation in that celestial city uh, and after various diversions and disruptions from others he eventually got to the, the gate the straight gate and over it was written the word knock and it shall be opened unto you but as he came to that gate and he knocked he was full of doubts he, he, he was full of apprehension within his own heart and within his own life and this is what he said may I now enter here Will he within open to sorry me, though I have been an undeserving rebel? Then shall I not fail to sing his lasting praise on high? He was coming, he was knocking, and he was thinking, will he really open to me? Maybe that's you today. You've been striving, and you've been knocking, but you haven't entered in, and you're saying within your mind, will he really open unto me? Will God really let me in? Well, he didn't have long to, to last because an authoritative person, Bunyan depicts it, called Goodwill uh, came to the gate and asked who was there. And this is what a Christian said, I'm a poor burdened sinner. I come from the city of destruction, but I'm going to Mount Zion. So I may be delivered from the wrath to come. Since I have been informed that this gate is the way to that place, I want to know if you're willing to let me in. Maybe that's you today, you're saying, is God willing to let me in? Let me answer, because Goodwill answered Christian, and he said, I am willing with all my heart. Let me assure you today, God is willing. God is willing. We read immediately afterwards that the door was opened, and Goodwill put out a hand and pulled him in. He pulled him in. He didn't pull him in against his will. <clears throat> and nor did Christian force his way in. But Bunyan, what Bunyan was trying to do here, he was trying to illustrate uh, God's sovereignty and man's responsibility in salvation. You've come to the door. You're knocking at it. And God's good will says enter in. But you can't do it. And so he brings you in. He brings you in. God's sovereignty, man's responsibility, all coming together in that moment of salvation. 
and he was entered in. In contrast, this wide gate of which Jesus spoke, it had no restrictions. He didn't need to stoop. It was open to the sensual eye. You didn't need to discharge any of your sinful burdens. Just bring them all with you. Bring your sin with you. Bring your, your, your deviant life with you. Bring your, 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 your sinful activities with you. There's no limitations on it whatsoever. You can enter in no matter how violent it may be. That's the way the way of salvation is preached today in many places. Oh, let me tell you, you'll never enter in that way. The wide gate speaks of the way that's offered by Satan. This is not the way of salvation. This is Satan's way. There's no such need as repentance in Satan's way. Just continue in your sin. Is that what you want to do? Just continue in your sin. Everything's acceptable. There's no need of forgiveness. Why? Because we don't have any moral standards anymore. We set aside God's law. You only need forgiveness if you... A measure life by the law of God. Just continue as you are. Gratify the flesh. Don't stint your enjoyment in the pleasures of the world. Just enjoy it. The pleasures of sin. Enjoy them. The gate of carnal lust, worldly pleasures. It stands right open. But the devil doesn't tell you this. The devil doesn't tell you where that gate leads you to. And there's so many multitudes across the world today and on along today. They're so engrossed in all of the things that are going on as they continue to travel through that wide gate that they never think of where they're going to. Never once. Maybe that's you today. In those gospel pews, you're not thinking where you're going. Where's your soul heading to? Jesus is calling you to decision today. Secondly, Notice the contrast between the narrow and the broad way. Two ways represent different directions upon which all mankind travel to eternity. Verse 14 tells us the straight or the narrow gate leads to the narrow way. And verse 13 tells us that the wide gate leads to the broad way. The narrow way is the way of holiness, which God has laid down for his people. When Pilgrim entered in through the straight gate. Goodwill said to him, look before you. Do you see the narrow way in which you must go? Listen to it. It's the narrow way in which you must go. It was formed by the patriarchs and the prophets, Christ and his apostles. And it is as straight as a rule can make it. This is the way you must go. And Christian immediately said, but are there no turnings? Are there no windings by which a stranger may lose his way? And he was told again, yes, there are many ways that border upon it, but they're crooked and wide. You can always distinguish the, the right way from the wrong way because the right way is straight and narrow. And there are many people today, they, they want to argue about, is it, is it okay to do this? Is it okay to do that? But they know it's as crooked, as crooked as a dog's hind leg. But they still want to go on with it. They still want to justify it. When somebody by faith trusts in Christ and enters into the straight gate, they're not in heaven. Brethren and sisters, you and I, we're not in heaven yet. We're on the way, but we haven't reached the destination. We're pilgrims. 
Spiritually speaking, we're traveling through a wilderness and, and we must travel the narrow way. And the narrow way is hedged about by God's word. Do you know what hedges it up as the, as the Ten Commandments? We're hedged in by the law of God. This is the rule of God, which God has revealed to us for uh, our walk of life. It was lovely to hear that as we went over the catechism with the young people today prior to uh, the service. Just to, to know that God's law is our rule of faith and practice. And on this narrow way, the, the Christian will daily battle with self. Self has to be denied. Inner corruptions need to be mortified. Temptations need to be resisted. Trials need to be borne with patience. We'll wrestle. We, we'll do our own wrestling. Arm to arm, hand to hand with the great adversary. We'll go through valleys. And maybe that's you today. You're wrestling. And you look at that valley that's ahead of you. But dear Christian, there's no other way to that city but through that valley. But as we journey... God has given us many promises, thousands of promises in the Bible. We're talking about this last night at home. Thousands of promises, but how few of them we know. Proverbs 4, 18 tells us, The path of the just is as the shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. Every day, praise the Lord, it's getting nearer. Every day it's getting nearer. And the longer we go on, the nearer we are, to heaven and to home, the brighter the light shines upon the pathway. Job was one whose pathway nobody could say it was easy. But Job said in chapter 23, 10 and 11, He knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth with gold. My foot hath held his steps. Step by step, Job was led into that valley of despair, into that valley of death, into that valley of absolute dejection. But step by step, the Lord was leading him. He was on the way. And dear Christian, today you might be going through the part of the way that's a valley and it's all clouded over and it's all dark and it's all dismal and dreary, but you're on the way. And I tell you, it's better to be on the narrow way going through a valley than on the broad way with the sun shining. The Broadway in contrast is exact opposite. There's nothing on hedging the Broadway. It's broad open. It's open. There, there are many attractions. You know, when the way is closed up, when the way is closed up, you can't see what's on the other side of the hedge. Sometimes traveling round morn, you know, the, these wonderful stone walls we have, you're in the car, you're traveling, and you can't see what's on the other side of the wall. Well, that, just keep it like that. Because when you see what's on the other side, you're, you're maybe tempted to stop and go into a bypass meadow and get off the way. Those who travel on this broad way, they're never allowed time to ponder the things of God. The devil knows how to amuse his own. He knows how to do it. I, I remember with George McConnell many years ago, in the back end of beyond somewhere in Kenya, we came across these men and they're lying under a tree in the middle of the day. You'd think way back there, you know, what, what, what would be there to amuse them? What would the devil have to amuse them? Pombe, the local brew. There they were in the middle of the day, stoned out of their mind. 
devil just had them. Could you talk to those men? No, the devil just had them. You know that Broadway, it's full of amusements, full of entertainments. But one day it's going to end. And it's going to end abruptly. And it's going to end in judgment. The third set of contrasts are the two companies. Oh, I've been really challenged about this. The few and the many. There's only a few, comparatively speaking, that are on the narrow way. So it's a comparative language that is used here. And they speak to us of that true flock of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in our nation, I would have to say to you today, how few are actually numbered amongst those that are on the narrow way. God's people are rarely in a majority, either in society or in your work or in your school or in your college or in your workplace, or in the street that you live in, or in the district that you live in, is there a majority of Christians in it? I would say not. And there are many unconverted as a result. They argue that, well, if there's so few actually believe that, you know, if somebody wants really to be disparaging of you, they'll talk about the fewness and the smallness of those that attend your meetings, or are in that church and on along, or Many years ago up in Antrim, in the Antrim church, where I was just a young student in my early 20s. They had just a little hall. And they used to call it the workman's hut. That's where we met. And when people really wanted to be disparaging, that's what they used to call it. Oh, do you really worship in that little brown hut up at the top of uh, the road? Yeah, yeah, that's where we are. Just a few I think of those words in 1 Peter 3 and 20, talking about the days prior to the flood, which sometime were disobedient when once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was preparing, wherein few, that is eight, souls were saved by water. You know, the many in the days of Noah, they, they laughed at Noah, they ridiculed him, they poked fun at him. Do you not think... Young people, it was tough for Noah's sons in those days. Your dad's the preacher. What sort of a head case is he? He's building an ark and there's no rain. He's talking about judgment and we haven't seen rain for over a hundred years. What sort of a man is your father? And look at all these animals that are coming. He's going to be the laughing stock of the whole country. But the day came... When the few entered in and those on the outside were lost. We read that Jesus said in Matthew twenty two, fourteen, many are called, but few are chosen. These are so sobering words today to our hearts. Remember the question that was once put to the Saviour, Luke twenty three, twenty three. <coughs> One said unto the Lord, are there few that be saved? Now, how did Christ answer to that? Are there few that will be saved? We're just, after reading here, few there be that find it. There's just few on the narrow way. What did Jesus say to them? He didn't answer the question. Rather, he didn't tell them there's going to be so many 
and then put a figure on it. What did Jesus say? You just strive to enter in at the straight gate. Don't you be worrying about the few. You strive to enter in. Make sure you're counted in. And that's what I want to say to all of you today with all of my heart. Make sure you're counted in. Don't be looking at your neighbor. Don't be looking at your friend, the one in front of you, behind you. Just you look into your heart today. God says, make sure you're counted in. Strive to enter in. As there were just a few, comparatively speaking, on the narrow way. Oh, there were multitudes on the Broadway. Why? Well, from conception, every descendant of Adam's fallen race, they're automatically on that way. They're on the way to a lost eternity. What keeps them on that way? Well, it's the darkness, the darkness of their soul that keeps them on that way. How dark is the natural mind to the things of God? We, we, we sometimes forget where God brought us from. To where we are today. Oh how dark is the natural mind to the gospel of Christ. Maybe that's you today. How powerful is the devil in blinding those that don't believe. You don't think the devil blinds people? Not only blinds them. He can, he can, he can lull them into a sleep of death. They think they're all right. They think they're as good as everybody else. Proverbs 14, 12 tells me there's a way that seemeth right unto a man and there are many and on along and the way they're on in the same right. I, I'm all right. As what so many people have said to me over the years, are you saved? No, I'm all right. Don't you worry about me. There's a way that seemeth right unto a man but the end thereof are the ways of death. Oh, what an awful thing to think you're all right all your life. And to be travelling that way of death. Many or few. Where, who are you numbered amongst today? Finally. Look at the contrast in destinies. Life or destruction. Heaven or hell. The way to eternal life. It's well traced in our text. Entrance at conversion. When a soul in faith and repentance turns to Christ and trusts in Christ for saving grace and starts the road to heaven, the way ahead and our way is well described for us step by step along the journey. But the contrast is magnified even more so at the end of the journey because the final destination is life. Life. And this is life that is eternal. At death you do not meet annihilation. At death you will either meet eternal life or eternal destruction. There is no such thing as annihilation. There is no such thing as, as being, as it were, in limbo land, in that in-between place. It's either life or death, heaven or hell. One day the journey will be ended. And as we've discovered over past weeks, none of us know that next step. Christ spoke of those that were on the Broadway. They were marching. They were nearly running to destruction. What a depiction of hell. The contrast couldn't be any greater. In life and in death. Now, in death, we read of two men in Luke 16. And 
In life, they live pretty close to each other. The rich man and Lazarus. The rich man wouldn't look the road Lazarus was on. He was a beggar. But in death, he cried for him. But that poor rich man discovered that now there's such a divide between the two of them, it can never be bridged again. We read in Luke 16, 24, he said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. Send for Lazarus. He wouldn't have looked the road Lazarus was on. There would be many in hell today who would send for the preacher, who would send for a Christian mother or father, even to have a word of comfort for them. But why can they not get there? Verse 26 says, there's a great gulf fixed. So they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would pass from hence. There was hope for the rich man in life, but in death hope left him. There's hope for you today. But one second, that last gasp that you'll take, you lose it forever. All hope is gone. Bishop Braille wrote, according to the men of the world, few are going to hell. According to the Bible, few are going to heaven. Now tell me, where are you going to? This is the application. Where in eternity today is your soul heading for? If we never, ever meet again, will we meet in eternity? If you miss Christ and salvation and continue on the way that you're going, we'll never meet again. If you die today as you have lived, rejecting Christ, all hope's away, and all hope's gone. Oh, I, I always love the Sabbath days for so many different reasons. But I always like to tell people on the Sabbath day, the door is open. Opportunity is still available for you to come to the Lord. Even now, as we close the service, as we close in prayer, you come before God in prayer. Ask him to let you in. Knock at that straight gate and you'll discover there's goodwill with God. He desires that you enter in. Not only desires, but he'll bring you in. May you find it to be so. May the Lord bless his word to all of our hearts.